Are you racking your brain trying to figure out how to transform your romantic relationship or marriage? You may have been asking yourself, why is my marriage or long-term relationship struggling, persisting to, even after countless attempts of counseling or reading marriage help books or relationship guides? What are my major misconceptions that block love and connection? Am I missing a trick here? And how can I find an easy solution to end the resentment and any petty arguments forever? If any of this resonates, then tune in to today's episode. Welcome back, Soul Tribe, to another great episode of the Divine Feminines podcast. Today, we finally get into the deeper intricacies of how to transform your romantic relationship, whether you're in a marriage or a long-term relationship, with or without kids. We have Beth Miller. She's a wife, mom, teacher, wife, coach, and supports women with ending their marriage struggles by helping women transform their marriages by transforming themselves. Hence, today's title of the episode is Transform Yourself, Transform Your Relationship. And one of her secret weapons is hypnojourneying, a deep meditation that has been referred to as a meditation on steroids. These deep meditations access the power of the subconscious mind to release and reprogram limited beliefs that have been keeping women stuck in unhealthy patterns. Solify method is rooted in psychology and neuroscience. So all the way from Toronto, Canada, I am pleased to have Beth with us today talk more on this subject, especially since the pandemic, relationships have been put under the microscope. There was literally nowhere to run or hide. It was facing the facts of reality, whether good or bad. So with that being said, welcome, Beth. How are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's it's a pleasure to have you. Um, Really lovely to have a Canadian on board. How great is that? I think you're our first Canadian guest as well. What an honor. (laughs) And I love Canada because I have a lot of family there. I've just not been to Toronto. So hopefully one day I'll get to the East Coast and maybe even see Niagara Falls. Oh, that would be wonderful. It's quite the sight. Yeah, I've seen many a photo. I've always been to the West Coast of Canada. So even though we're on this time difference, um, I think that regardless of our distance from each other geographically, on an alignment side, we're very much on the same wavelength. And when when we started to speak and, you know, um, I got to know you a bit better and the idea of transforming yourself, transforming your relationship, I really liked that concept. And I was like, no, we really need to to have this conversation. It's such a catchy episode topic. And I think so many can relate to this. But before we get into this, I'd like for you to share to the listeners a bit about your journey and what inspired you to develop Solify Wellness. There's so much to your background. And I truly believe when someone's going through transformation, it's so much more supported and understood by someone that has actually gone through struggles and challenges that can help them. So yeah, tell us more. Okay, so where to start? I think where I'll start is where I am right now. Right now, I'm in a place where I help women who are on the verge of divorce save their marriages, and I have them do this on their own. Often their partners don't want to change or their partners don't want to do any counseling. So that's where I'm at right now, but this was not what I intended to do. What happened a few years ago is it was right after New Year's. I was on the elliptical. I was getting my kind of New Year's resolution body back in shape. And slowly over the course of about five days, um, working out on the elliptical, I just thought I was really sore. But over those five days, I slowly started to lose my strength on my right side, my ability to walk. I was starting to trip upstairs and I couldn't even take a step with my right foot by the end of those five days. I was really much in denial. I thought, I just need to go to physio. My husband was like, just go see the family doctor on Monday. But it was that Sunday morning I woke up and thought, you know what, I need to go to the hospital, which is where my life did this big flip. And it was the ER doctor that told me I was having a brain bleed, which just absolutely changed my world at that moment. Wow. That is, that's, I don't even, I'm lost for words, to be honest. I think I mentioned to you before when we spoke, my mom, she passed from a stroke, but she had a few. And I think everyone kind of thinks it's something that comes in old age. But when I did my research, because I became quite close to the whole concept of how it can be triggered, and I wanted to know more, it can happen at any age, right? And there's different triggers that can offset 
um, a hemorrhage bleed or um, aneurysm in the brain, a stroke, they're all kind of similar in some shape or form, but age is not a barrier to them. No, no, not at all. And it was shocking to me. I also had that same bias. I thought it just happens to older people, maybe older people that aren't even eating terribly well, or maybe not exercising because they get a blood clot. So I had all these biases as well, which are completely wrong. I was a healthy 39 year old mom who ran half marathons, three crazy busy boys that are like, they were ages four, six and eight. They were just young. And here I was wondering if I'm going to live. That's the first thing I said to the doctor was, am I going to live? It was just like Grey's Anatomy. I'm like, this isn't really happening. So yeah. at that moment, it just, it flipped my life upside down. I spent a month in hospital learning to walk again, learning to write again, and just wondering what is my life going to look like? And because of that, I was, oh, I didn't realize it. It wasn't just my physical rehab. It was my mental too. I ended up going into, a, I think they call it moderate depression, severe anxiety, where I was just on this high alert, like everything in my body just felt like any little twinge or headache. I was just struck by fear that my brain was going to bleed again. So I was in this really, really bad place at that time in my life. Wow. And what I found fascinating is that you actually were, and I mean, still are, but at the time you were, like you said, half marathons, you were really active, you were healthy. So was it more about the internal, like the stress, the, 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 maybe sometimes we hold on to a lot of emotions. We don't, you know, the inner work. Do you think that it was more to do with more internalization of things that were happening in your life? And you would just take, you know, us women, we take on a lot so we can be healthy, eat well, run half marathons, sort the kids out, save the world and all of that. But there's a lot more that, that needs to be nurtured within ourselves. Do you think it was something what to do with that? Absolutely. That's what my intuition really tells me. From um, a neurologist physiological standpoint, I have a little kind of marker on my brain that's been there since childhood. We didn't know it was there, but it bled and still can bleed. It's like a little mix up of capillaries, but it decided to bleed. And I think it was the universe, God, whatever it is that you believe in. I think it was a way for me to be like, you know what? Listen to me, body. You are not listening. You are stressed. You're doing too much. I'd been having panic attacks every once in a while for about a year or two leading up to that. Just all of a sudden I'd get really overwhelmed with working full time, being with my kids. My kids were so young and there's just too much on my plate, but I just thought there's, this is the way life's supposed to be. I'm supposed to work hard, be a mom. And you know what? Sometimes you sacrifice yourself. So I look at it now as a gift because it, flipped my world upside down to the point that I couldn't even do anything. I couldn't even be home with my kids because I was in the hospital. I couldn't walk. I couldn't run. Everything I knew was just put on a halt. And at that point, there was a lot of grief I went through because parts of me that I'd known for so long, my identity were no longer part of me. So I felt very lost, but I can seriously see it as a gift because I needed that. Otherwise, there were probably other things would have festered within my body because often that's what stress does to our bodies is it comes out in other ways like illnesses. Yeah. Wow. And so many things that you said, like flagged to me, signaled to me certain events were reminded me of a spiritual awakening. Like you were, you know, your world was brought to a stop because it wasn't sustainable for you to continue. And there is a higher purpose for you. But in order for you to rebirth into your higher purpose and why we're here and we're speaking today, because it's very much we're on that same journey. But in order to, you have to let the old self die and the ideologies, the way of living. It's not just the physical world of how you do things, but the mental, the mentality, how you talk to yourself, what you allow balance. Like with the feminine, I really feel that we we take on too much of the masculine energy. And, it, and that seems like you are very much you know, a great mom and a superwoman, but in your masculine energy, doing, 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 but not being able to have the balance to receive and surrender. And the universe was like, hey, no, Beth, now it's time to surrender because you won't surrender off your own back. So we're going to make you surrender without, you know, without giving you a choice. So, and and so, so my next sort of trail of thought now, right, is that through that, I mean, and now, you know, you work, later on down the line, you're doing Solify Wellness and helping women in their marriages. What was the strain on your marriage? Like how, what was the connection there to then you wanting to help other women? Because this must've been really challenging on your 
your your, your relationship, the mar- marriage in terms of the typical family side of the marriage, the romantic side of the marriage, the communication. Like marriage is so many relationships. There's so many things. It's not just about love, right? Absolutely. So it at first it really wasn't what I intended to do. I was just feeling this intense anxiety. I was having this depression. And so I was still in this stage of my life. I wasn't even thinking about marriages. Yes, my marriage had had some rocky spots. My my kids were young. They were four, six, and eight. Like we had so much going on in terms of taking care of our three boys. I had three boys under the age of four at one point. So yes, our marriage wasn't in the best place. We were a bit like oil and water. My husband is very confident. He's very opinionated. And that's what really draw him to me because I'm a very sensitive, now looking back, not very confident, not very good at speaking my opinion. So I was drawn to that within him. But as we got older and into our marriage, we were like oil and water at times because he would have a strong opinion. I would take it personally. I would think he was attacking me. So not physically attacking me, but with his words, like yeah, I would yeah. think that he is he putting me down, but really, yeah, yeah he's just stating his opinion in his own authentic way. Yeah. It wasn't, it was me that was receiving it um, because it was showing me my shadows at the time, but I did not see that. I had no clue. I just kept thinking if you would change, if you would say things different, if you'd help me with this, our marriage oh. would be so better. It was all, if you, if you, <laughs> if you, things would be better. And how many of us, myself included, those listening, whether man or woman, how many of us are like, oh, because, you know, he or she could have said that better. Oh, well, he or she wasn't like taking on board, you know, that I did this and that I'm feeling like this today. And well, they can't read our mind. Right. And there's definitely and we're, we're going to get into it a bit later, but there's definitely the the wounding within ourselves. And I've learned a lot. And I know that we're going to talk about it now, but I've learned a lot of that any situation. Right, Steph. Does that situation stress you out? Not stress you out, just frustrate you, let's say. It's the word frustration more than stress. Or is that person annoying you? Okay, it's not about the person. What is it in you that is feeling triggered by that? Not necessarily the person or the way that they say, what is it in you? And being able to then point that finger towards yourself and look in that mirror and go, there's something going on with me. Why am I getting so high rate about it? That's the transformational point of where you look to transform yourself. And by doing so, you transform relationships, whether romantic or not, like work, family. It actually can, you know, this type of approach, right? It can it can help every relationship, but you show up differently. And then it gives a chance for others to maybe respond differently or behave differently because they see you show up differently. Absolutely. So Steph, I couldn't agree more. If there's one thing that your listeners could take away from today to fix any of their relationships is exactly what you just said. Step one is that awareness of our emotions. What are you feeling? Because these are just, it's almost like being a detective. These emotions that you're feeling, that resentment, anger, frustration, feeling lonely, feeling like you're not heard or seen, those are all these massive clues into areas within yourself that are screaming out saying, give me some attention, give me what I need. I'm not feeling authentic. I'm not feeling the way I want to be. So really when we can flip our thinking and realize triggers are actually these, these gifts, right? That there's work that needs to be done. Yeah, absolutely. And emotions are a big part, right? Like emotions are, I, I'm really annoyed when people are like, why are they, why are you so emotional? Why is she so emotional? You know, oh, no, 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 we're not supposed to show our emotions. That's the worst thing you could ever do. Being able to embrace the emotion, knowing that we are not our emotion, right? But it's something that we experience and it's a passing thing, but using it as a almost a barometer to say, oh, this is an emotion of happiness. Okay, so that might not always come, but what, what, brought that emotion of happiness. Oh, okay. So I can identify with certain experiences that made me feel that way. Okay, cool. Then when I'm like feeling really sad or really, really lonely, what is it that's making me feel that triggers that emotion and and start to understand it? So understanding emotional intelligence gives you a really strong indication of what work needs to be done. And the fact that, you know, we talk about high vibe, high vibe. You can't be high vibe all the time. So the emotions are a good a good demonstration of that. 
we are human beings. We're here to be. And in order for us to be, we have to allow the ebb and flow and the good and the bad emotions, the highs and the lows, but it's how we kind of sway with them. It's almost like, you know, you're standing outside in the wind and the wind is really fierce sometimes and you could be lifted off your feet and blown away, but you kind of just, you get, you get taken by the wind a bit, but then you come back and ground to center. And then some days it just doesn't even blow windy and it's a bit sunnier and we're just looking up at the sun and it feels nicer, right? So I, that's my analogy, but the emotions is a, is a big indication. I mean, a lot of my listeners probably remember that I've said that I didn't make my marriage, you know, it didn't last for me, unfortunately. But, you know, I, I think that being able to do the, the examination on myself is important. And I actually kind of did that. I didn't have a Beth, unfortunately, but I did find my way. And I realized there was a day where it just hit me and I was like, I'm just not feeling this. Like it, I knew it, you know, the emotions. This is where I was avoiding the emotions because I was not happy. I was really not feeling good. And I just didn't feel like I was in my best spirit. And I was like, what is it? What is it? And the deepest rooted thing was I wasn't taking care of me. I wasn't looking at what I really want and who I really am. And then in a way, the universe sort of like triggered it on me, you know, in some ways, like created an orchestration of events that I just had to see and face my emotions. And then by doing so, I realized, okay, no, you're not happy. Okay. Is it to do with the other person? No, not at all. You can blame it on the other person all you want, Steph. But it isn't. And that that was the, you know, and it's hard because the other person, if you tell someone that it's not working, like, what is it that I did wrong? And then you say, no, it's not you, it's me. You know, everyone says, oh, that phrase. No, genuinely, th there can be moments where it isn't the person, it's you because you've not been looking at yourself and you've not really cultivated what is it that really is going to create that wholeness within yourself. And as you start to discover that, you may realize that you do just need to be on your own or the marriage isn't able to be saved because you really feel like you're on a different path. And I'm not saying that to everyone to say, go and end your marriage or your relationship. I'm saying that by doing this work, you may come out either end. You may go, it may transform with your transformation. And that is a beautiful thing. And I, I know that there's many relationships that go through that. But then, you know, be open minded that it might go the other way. And don't be afraid of that. You know, don't be afraid that you can always say that you have come out knowing that you've done the work and you've transformed. I'm rambling on. But um, Beth, that was number one, right? The emotions. What, what was number two in your three stage strategy? Yeah, number two would be to look at your inner child. So inner child is this beautiful aspect of yourself that often stems from your childhood, from those years zero to seven. That's when our subconscious mind is like a sponge. It's absorbing our world around us. It's almost like we're in a bit of a dreamlike state during those years. So everything, most things we take as face value. Even if our parents were to joke around, sometimes we don't even pick up on that sarcasm. We just see it as face value. So this inner child is this beautiful, playful aspect of ourselves, but it also sometimes houses these wounded aspects, which may be mini traumas or major traumas. And mini traumas could be just seeing someone in your class get bullied, or it could be the fact that maybe someone didn't buy you a birthday present and you take that really personal, or it could be major traumas like a death in the family, abuse, mm -hmm. or some other kind of maybe crazy weather events that maybe happen to your house. So these aspects, these wounded aspects, they're with us. And often it's because we've suppressed the emotions or maybe we didn't have adults in our lives to help us understand or process those emotions. So these feelings, these beliefs about ourselves that maybe we weren't seen the way we needed to or validated as a child, we weren't heard, we felt like our opinion maybe didn't matter, maybe we felt unloved. So those aspects carry through. And often the incredible thing about our romantic relationships is these aspects show up in our romantic relationships often in the most magnified way. So that's why a lot of times there's these marriage struggles, relationship struggles, because you have to face a lot of these things that you've been 
suppressing for so long, um, our partner almost acts as a mirror to us. They're mirroring to us exactly what we need to work on. So through an argument, just say my husband left crumbs on the counter and I've asked him so many times, can you wipe the (laughs) the crumbs up after you make a sandwich? (laughs) Something simple like that. And it constantly happens. So I hit this resistance. I hear him say, oh, you know what? What's the big deal? We'll wipe it up at the end of the day. And I hit this resistance. Eventually, this resistance builds to the point that I now have resentment against him because he's not listening. I don't feel heard. I don't feel like my needs are being met because I like to have a tidy counter, a tidy kitchen. And after a while, I start to feel rejected. Like, why is he not listening to me? But really, this is him mirroring to me areas I need to work within myself. Maybe as a child, I was the oldest kid. I was had to be responsible, had to help my mom clean more. And so these beliefs are coming out that, you know what, a place, a house has to have a certain kind of organization to it. And I'm projecting my beliefs onto him, which are, aren't jiving with his beliefs from childhood. And instead of me meeting him where he's at and understanding him and seeing his inner child, instead I'm creating this conflict, this tension over something as silly as crumbs. It's never about the crumbs. It's always yeah. about something deeper. So true. I mean, I, the listeners now are probably laughing, but there'll be like situations like he didn't take out the trash or or she like was in the bathroom for an hour or I mean, these are stereotypes, but, you know, or, um, oh, you know, I've been cooking for every night, you know, for the last two weeks, like, you know, and there's loads of things. Right. And there's small things like marriages, relationships don't have to build up resentment on these small things to the point that it blows up and it feels like things are going to end or people really just, you know, it it is the core of communication, but also being vulnerable, right? Like being able to say, I'm looking at myself and there's something, when you do this, it makes me feel like, when you leave the crumbs on the counter, it makes me feel a bit frustrated because I could have never done that as a kid. And I used to always have to be responsible. And it makes me feel a bit like I'm letting my my values down and you're not helping me. And then, you know, the other person will be like, wow, I, I just didn't know that. The crumbs are that deep for you, you know? But it's so it, true. You know, so there's also that communication and being vulnerable to say, but that annoys me. And this is a big one because we are all raised differently. Even if we're, you know, you meet a a partner and he's also from Toronto or I meet someone also from London or, you know, and they have a very similar like upbringing or experience many similar things, there will always be a unique difference. And whatever they experience versus you or I would be completely different. And we just don't know the the depth and it's not, it's never going to be known to the other person. So we have to be always inward looking ready to communicate and not being afraid to be vulnerable. And I think, you know, sometimes saying I got it wrong or sometimes saying I made a mistake or this doesn't make me feel good. These are, they might look like defeatist type statements. They might seem like you, oh, you don't have, you don't own the situation, but actually by coming forward and saying, I just, I'm not able to, or this doesn't work for me, or I feel uncomfortable, I feel sad, or it just makes me feel sort of left out or unsupported or not heard, then the other person can start to really understand the feeling behind it rather than, like you said, it builds up to resentment and then it almost seems like anger when it's not really anger, is it? That's just an escalated emotion or frustration because everything else was never communicated or sort of explored. So it just builds up to blow up. (laughs) Absolutely. It's so incredible when you can start to go inward. Like a great example with me is I really like to do things well. I wouldn't call myself a perfectionist, but maybe I am. I understand that I'm not perfect, but I do like when things are done well. So my husband used to kind of throw that back at me, but like, you can't take feedback. You always want to be perfect. (laughs) And I used to get so defensive by that. And then I realized through this work that, you know what, I do like to do things right. Because I felt like I got a lot of love from my parents by getting good grades, by doing well in sports. And I know, I know they loved me, but I didn't necessarily have all the hugs and cuddles I needed. And nor was I able to really I think communicate that I just needed more snuggles. So I felt like I was loved when I did things well. So then when my husband starts to point out my flaws being like, 
why did you accidentally pay $300 for the hydro bill when it was only $250? And then I would blame something. Oh, I'm just so tired or I'm exhausted from the day. Instead of just being like, you know what? I did make a mistake and I should own this. Uh, if I had just owned it in the first place, it would end versus starting this silly argument about how much I paid the hydro bill for. Um, so, and then there's just such a different level of respect. And when you can change those conversations with your partner, they then feel more open. They feel safer and more secure in the relationship because they don't feel like they're going to get yelled at or nagged or put down themselves. And when you can start to create that love in the house again, then all of a sudden the connection's back, the support's back. And it's just such a, it's such a shift and a transformation within your life and your marriage when you can do that inner work. Yeah, I, I love that. And I really believe that the inner work, looking at your inner child, because we always have our inner child is always going to be with us, allows us to be our true authentic self. You cannot be authentic and live in your truth and speak good truth if you haven't gone inward, if you haven't looked at the, the flaws and the things that make you feel vulnerable and, you know, what kind of really gets you going or gets you upset. If you don't understand that, if you don't have that inward intelligence, you'll never be able to show up authentic because I really believe that authenticity isn't not what you say, it's how you show up in your energy. So it's a, it's your demeanor, you know, your presence. And someone that can be authentic is someone that's confident in just being there, being present in who they are, even without opening their mouth. <laughs> So, so I, yeah, I love what you said about authenticity. Another way that I embrace authenticity or I teach the women I work with is to go back in time. So go back to a period in your life when you just felt unstoppable. Maybe it was during a sporting event or when you were receiving an award or you're singing on stage or the day you got married or the day you had your first child where you just felt on top of the world. No one was going to knock you down. You felt so confident, so worthy, so deserving. You were just, like I said, on top of the world. And that was a moment in your life when you were most authentic. And so if you can like kind of embrace or go back in time to that moment and just harness that energy, embody that version of you, it's just amazing. If you just sense that and do it right now, all of a sudden you just have this lightness to you. You feel this like warm, gooey, lovey feeling within. It just, you just feel so much better when you can embrace that authentic you and it's almost like you're kind of slower to talk. You think more, you're more in the moment. And if you can approach your conversations from this place, things also change because you're, you're, you're living your truth. You're speaking your truth. Yeah. Really, uh, really well said, Beth. I totally agree. It's interesting that, you know, a lot of this work and the transformation isn't just on a personal level. It's on a collective level for the feminine and, you know, we have to also bear in mind and understand that it is a lot of deep work, transformational work on a collective level for us feminines, but also it impacts the masculines in a positive way for their awakening and then helps humanity awaken. Like this is a bigger, a, a bigger um, effect going on in, in the universe, in the world. And we've come through a lot of suppression and a lot of the the core values of what makes us truly feminine in our power have been suppressed over the years. It has been shown that, you know, don't follow your intuition or do this because you're going to be, you know, she's a bit witchy, you know, or she's a bit weird. And these are not, you know, acceptable ways of behaving, but we can no longer, you know, take that conformity of what society is shaped and molded. It is complete distortion. There is no such thing as a Cinderella and, the, you know, the fairy tales of Disney are probably the most toxic stories that we could feed our children. There isn't a guy that's going to come and sweep you off your feet. You need to go do the work, girlfriend. <laughs> and, and then maybe someone sweeps you off your feet a bit, but it's you've done the work on yourself and you align with the right energy and vice versa for men. So, but I think for the feminine, there's a lot going on. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're probably coming across a lot of women that might have come from these old traditional kind of marriages where, you know, they were told, you know, you can't get divorced because, they, you know, or the church doesn't believe in divorce or whatever it was that has been told to them. Or we can't because we'll be seen as, as, as a disgrace to the family or the community. And I went through quite a lot of that, you know, and that that can make you feel like, oh, you know, there is no way out. Um, if you have tried to transform and you're not seeing the 
that it's working for you, right? That it's just, it's not right. You're in the wrong place. You, you have to be able to say, no, it's okay. What society expects of you is not what you expect of you. And that is fine, actually. You're creating a new paradigm. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's so many, the women that come to me, that is just such a hard concept for them because it's such an ingrained belief. We've been programmed since since we were born, those zero to seven years that there's certain beliefs that we have in our society. And often the women come to me and they're emotionally exhausted. And one of the reasons they're so exhausted is because they've been living a very non-authentic life. It's yeah. as simple as just say you're at the end of high school and you're supposed to pick your where you want to go to university. And you're like, I really like the arts. I want to go into dance, but it's your parents being like, what kind of money is that going to pay you when you get out of yeah. your dance degree? But that's where your heart is at. That's where your passion is. And you're molded then to maybe take something that's more in, I don't see science. And so you go that route and you hate your job. Um, you're then, you get married, you have kids and your husband, you're trying to conform to some of his rules too, and not his rules, but his way of growing up. And you're finding that exhausting. Maybe he has an expectation that, you know what, I like when you cook or clean a certain way, even though that's not something that's important to you. And it's just this ongoing cycle of molding to something that just doesn't feel like us. And we need permission to break free, to take time for ourselves, because I think we're programmed to be busy. You know what? This is the way life's supposed to be. Marriages are hard. That's what you're we're programmed to be. It doesn't have to be that hard. Yeah. Life's supposed to be busy and we're supposed to be exhausted when really take time and go for a walk. But we don't, and that's almost viewed as lazy at times. I know yeah. a lot of us don't think it's lazy, but there's just this collective belief that when you're not Absolutely. hustling, not always hustling, you know what? Maybe you're not enough or you're not doing yeah. your part. Oh my God. There are, I, I I can connect with it so much. I was always so busy and me and my ex-husband were always doing stuff, always out and about. And then there was like, I remember another, a few other families that we knew of, like with their kids and stuff and the parents and they were even more busier. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'm not doing enough, but I was already exhausted. And my mom, bless her rest, God rest her soul. She used to say, you need to slow down. Goodness me, did I get that message after she passed she kept saying you need to slow down and I just didn't get it now I definitely have slowed down but is it slow no it is peace it is calm it is balance it is good it feels great I feel at one with myself so slow isn't necessarily a negative connotation but this world has created the always always you need to do and media, all of everything that we get served is always asking our brain to continually check in and respond and react. But we're supposed to be human beings. Oh, that, that that description that you just gave for slowing down, just like it resonated with my heart so much because it's so true. And on a conscious level, like I work with more the subconscious minds. We have the conscious mind, which really is only 5% of our brain power. That's that planning, organizing, analyzing. So that part of my brain was like, you know what? I do need to slow down. Of course I should meditate. Of course I should take some self-care time, but it's the subconscious mind that houses all that programming from childhood that says, you know what? Your friend has her kids in sports every night of the week. Your kids are going to be left behind and won't be competitive athletes because they're not in sports every night. Like there's this piece to us that thinks we have to be busy in my subconscious. There's some fear. Like my kids are going to be less than her kids because they're not as busy. So it's really, yes, on a conscious level, yes, I should take some time for myself. But what's driving all our actions, our habits is really our subconscious mind. And that's that 95% where every memory is stored from our past. And that memory then drives a belief that... So an example of a memory might be as a child, you your, your friends couldn't come to your birthday party because there was a snowstorm. And because of that, they couldn't come. And you thought, you know what, as a five-year-old, nobody likes me, but really there's a snowstorm. And now <laughs> you have this belief that when people don't show up, maybe it's because they don't like you, even though on a conscious level, you know, yeah. that's not true. But to say you're having a dinner party and some people cancel last minute, you still have that deep rooted belief that maybe it's that they don't like me, but really it's something came up or their kids were sick. So it's incredible how our conscious mind and our subconscious mind are like going back and forth, but usually subconscious wins when it comes to driving what our actions are. That's so interesting. And it's not to do with relationship, but it just happened today when the situation with a client happened and 
they weren't able to to turn up to talk about um, a new opportunity. And I don't think that they deliberately did it, but but I know that they're always busy and they can take, you know, drag things on, fine. I genuinely believe that they do want to proceed with the new opportunity, but someone else said that that's not the right signs. They're not showing the right signs that they're interested, but that's based on their experience. And I was like, no, I, I said, well, no, I, I'm confident that they, they, they're they interested, but they'll do it in their own time when it's re- when it's good for them, but they're interested. But you see, it's, it's, it's experience. So when, you know, that, that kind of, the other person was like, oh, well, they're not showing the signs to show that they're interested because they're expecting them to maybe, maybe speak really soon, act really soon. But do it, you know, when you're doing a new opportunity in business or anything, it, things don't get done overnight, especially if you have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars as well. You know, it's never going to happen in a few weeks. You need to get like a lot of planning and sign off and things like that. And you probably got your day to day job and you're just already busy with it. So it's again, like you said, the experience in the subconscious mind, just because someone didn't respond doesn't mean it's a negative, doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And it doesn't mean you close the door on it, right? And I took it in a really positive way, like, yeah, they're interested. It's just not right now. And I'm not, I'm not stressed about it. But again, I've been doing the work on my subconscious brain. So I don't take that as rejection. But that's a massive place to be in. And like I said, it doesn't just affect the relationship, it affects our relationship with friends, our interactions at work. And so before we forget, there's three, right? Three stages. What's the final stage, Beth? We've actually already addressed it a bit. It's that authentic you. So really that first step was really identifying your emotions, which are your triggers, which are these massive clues into areas within yourself. And then these massive clues often stem from your childhood where you didn't feel like you're enough. You didn't feel heard. You didn't maybe even forgive yourself. You're holding guilt or shame from something that happened in your past. And then the next piece within your relationship is really figuring out who that authentic you is. And authentic is such a a word that you're like, what does that even mean? How do I even find it? But when you can really embody that beautiful piece of you and practice acting from that place, and it'll come more naturally as you release these blocks from your past, releasing yeah. the shame, the feeling like you have to do well or perfectionism or these standards that our society is putting you up to. And when you can start to operate from that, your life transforms because you are no longer feeling resentful, unappreciated. You feel like you're in this beautiful place of happiness. It's a place of grace. It's an incredible, wonderful place to be. Things don't bother you anymore. You're not triggered. You're happy. It's, and I'm not saying it's a work, it's life. You're like, you're going to do this for life because we have many layers. Like what I do with the women I work with, we pull back every single layer until we get to that root. And sometimes you think you've done the work. You're like, oh, I just kind of, I feel like I need a little tune up there. And you'll go back in. You're like, oh, there's still some work to do. And yeah. I do this through hyp- hypnosis or deep meditations is the how I access the women I work with, their their subconscious minds. Yeah. And I've done a lot of this kind of like deep meditation theta type, um, you know, brain kind of tuning into the subconscious and it really does help but like you said it's an always on job and even today well today's a full moon for us and we were already like oh we feel like and today was an interesting one because I just yesterday I felt maybe yesterday or the day before I'm always quite pumped up I have great energy and I did today but you know I felt quite tired I was like oh is it this full moon is it you know what is going on and then I felt like I was I was in this like procrastination point at one point going, do I do this or do I? And then I was like, no, no. I just trusted my intuition. I was like, no, I'm just going to just be, and I'm just going to be like, oh, forget it. You know? And then I went for a walk and I looked at the ducks and I was like, you guys got an easy life. And then I was like, no, you don't. You don't have an easy life because it's what you make it. Right. So it depends which duck is just like chilling and just taking it easy compared to the other duck that might be quite stressed out and then I was just it was so funny I was just having to like admire them and I was like yeah we are we are what we create right we our perception is our reality and it's really it all starts and ends with us I was just like maybe one of these days and then but then when I I was like I didn't get a lot done at work today and I know you were like right you were like yeah today was a bit of a weird day I mean I, I had my day but you know, what would you say? Like maybe some things 
took up my time or they just, you know, extra bits to deal with. Yeah. Which causes you a little bit more stress because you have that to-do list, but then you don't check things off. And I really need to kind of go back and be like, that list will be there tomorrow. It's going to be okay. But we have this expectation of ourselves. I'm going to get this done, this done, this done, because I need it done to progress. And sometimes we just have to let it go because it's not going to do me any good. And one thing just to mention too, is when we can start to get to that place where we can let things go, it's because we don't feel triggered by it anymore. Because I'm letting go of that expectation of myself to get so much done. And then things just get easy for you again. Like the ducks. I love that analogy. We always, it's the cats, like cat in my house. I'm like, you have a great life, but it's just what you, how you perceive it. Um, so it's incredible when you can really start to transform yourself because people are always like, how do you save your marriage on your own? And I'm like, it's so easy really, because it takes two to argue in your relationship. It takes two to create that conflict, that tension. And when one of you is not engaged because you're just not triggered anymore, you see your partner from like, like a lens of love. Like you really just see them for who they are. You can see their inner child. You can see their shadows and realize, you know what? It's not me. This is them. Um, I don't need to be defensive. They're just, they're, they're feeling fearful or like just say I spent too much money at Costco. I spent a couple hundred dollars more than I should. I come home and my husband's upset that I spent too much. I can go from the place of being like, you go out and do your own groceries then if you're not going to appreciate me going out. Or I can come from the place being like, you know what, I know, I knew he had an upbringing where maybe money was a bit tight or they only spent the money they had in the bank. So he's coming from a scarcity mindset when it comes to money. I can honor him and like, like give him some empathy for that being like, I understand that this is hard on you and scary for you that we went over and I'll try better next time to stay on the budget instead of getting defensive. And when you do that enough, what happens is, like I said, they get, they become more safe and open within the relationship, but their vibration like we're talking about energy here, their vibration comes up to yours because you're vibrating higher. And we all know that like vibration attracts like energy, right? So when they, when you go up, so do they very often does it not happen. And when it doesn't happen, that's when the women I work with can gracefully navigate the exit of their marriage, but more, more times than not, it just, it, it, just, it's so incredible how the marriage transforms. Your partner will learn not by doing the subconscious work that you're doing, but they learn from you because you're yes. then projecting different energy onto them. So they, when it's like the collective piece that you said, but it's just the starting of it within your own household and your kids too. And if you have kids in your household, they pick up on this too. So it's just, it does so many people so, so much good when you really look after yourself. Yeah. The, the, the biggest thing you said there, Beth, was like the conflict. And it's hard because sometimes you do need to have the argument to then have the communication, but then it's growing from it, right? And then not doing it again. And I've been in situations, even after my marriage, where I've moved on and I'm like, I'm so much more aware. So I'm vulnerable and I speak up and I say, well, actually, this is concerning me and I really need your support to help change this or this dynamic doesn't work for me because I feel like we, you know, we're not doing this together. We're not a team here. Right. And then allowing that to kind of play out, but then instead of it becoming an argument, almost kind of observing and kind of stepping back and not making it a big deal or an argument, but almost just approaching the situation differently. And then the other person's like, she's not arguing. She's not complaining that I did. Okay. Hmm. And then they're like, they go really quiet because they're trying to assess what do I do next? And then when I, when they do interact, I'm like, like, hmm. And I know, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, so, and I'm calm and I'm cool, but it's very interesting because like you said, as you change, they show up differently most times. And that is a really good way to grow and progress because you're never meant to stay stagnant in any interaction everything has to change. And if it can evolve into a more progressive, positive direction, then you can keep those connections and those relationships and grow with them. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought that example up when one of the partners might be a bit confused because the interaction isn't predictable, where usually (laughs) a situation that would normally turn into a fight or a petty argument doesn't, and it's almost perplexing. There is some growing pains in this process because as you kind of transform, shift out yourself, out all these things within yourself that you've been holding on to so long that you've been kind of hiding from the world because you've had shame around them, um, that piece of maybe you're not perfect or that you don't like to make mistakes, 
when that starts to change, your partner may not actually recognize you for a little bit. And there's two things that can happen. Sometimes they almost think you're better than me. What do you know? They have this like, why, why are you doing this kind of thing? I, it's really almost a piece of like, I think you're better than me, but then eventually it changes. There's almost this grieving in the process because you had a different dynamic and now it's turning into a better dynamic, but there is some growing pains. Like you don't almost recognize each other for a little bit. You sometimes don't even recognize yourself because you're like, I'm operating differently. And I don't even know what my identity is anymore because you're shedding those parts of you, that busy, busy, for me, it was that busy, busy mom piece. I was like, what do I do with my mind? Um, Can I actually just sit on the couch? Because I never used to let myself just sit on the couch and relax. I felt guilty for that because that wasn't productive. And so when you shed these aspects of yourself, there is some grief in this process. And your husband will feel the same way in regards to how you interact with each other. And some of that is people pleasing, you know, when you're always wanting to do stuff for others, which then stems from codependency, the need to please people because you want to be accepted. So there is the connection. But actually, if you step back and you don't people please, and sometimes you're just taking a chill pill, that's not going to impact what someone thinks of you or how good they think you are as a person. So that it's really transforming a lot of that. And it can be quite painful to to transform through that. And you do start to see the reality of who's going to remain in your life and who isn't through you releasing those old paradigms, right? And it can be hard for the women that have to gracefully leave a marriage as well. But when you're in that place and you've done the work, I will tell you, you gracefully leave in such a good place. You can navigate the ups and downs of leaving your, that partnership because you're not as triggered. You, you know, you've done everything possible. You know what you want. You have that clarity. It's just, you come from such a different place. You're not as lost feeling. You just know, this is my next step. It's not going to be easy but I know there's better for me and this is not where I need to be. This is not healthy for my energy. I've set my boundaries. They keep being crossed and it's time to go. And it, it's a much better place than being not in a good space. Right. And mindset. Absolutely. When I had to exit my situation, I was, I started to do my theta healing. And one of the biggest things was knowing that the marriage and the interaction and the relationship was part of my journey. And if it wasn't for me having that, I wouldn't have got to my awakening. I wouldn't have learned what I learned. I wouldn't have been able to sort of start to do that inward healing and seeing what was triggering me and why this marriage wasn't for me and, you know, everything. So I really then honored that, you know, it taught me so much. The other person was obviously not at that point. So they found it really hard, but I was really confident in myself and I didn't feel guilty. I didn't feel upset. I mean, no, there was a little bit of like, oh my gosh, it's over. But literally that passed really quick. And it was interesting the way it was like, oh, it's over. Like it's really over. Like the divorce came through. Huh? And then, and then after you're like, oh, and you're in, like you're just the liberated feeling because sometimes going through a divorce can be very, very heavy. We'll probably do another episode on this because I know a lot of people that can find it quite tough. Some divorces are quite straightforward, but some can be so painstaking. It can it can go anyway. And you sometimes see the different sides of people through these processes. But um, once you have that moment, it, the liberating feeling is, is great, especially if you've done the transformation work because then there is a whole new horizon where you know that next time you you're not just gonna just go and start a relationship without really taking care of yourself before going into one Mm -hmm. and it's really good to ask yourself like once you've done this work and you really know what you want but you're like why am I staying you need to ask yourself why why am I staying and sometimes you're staying for the kids And is that a healthy reason to stay? And I have one example of a a client I work with. She is staying for the kids, but she's in such a great spot that when her husband has this dark energy about him in the house, she's been able to communicate with her daughters who are now teenagers. She, she knows that what she needs to do to leave, but she really wanted to keep her together as a family unit. That's a value she has and it's an authentic value. And so she's not going to leave her marriage, but she knows that she can love herself. Um, She's got different strategies that she's using to fulfill herself, knowing that her marriage isn't going to fulfill her the way she originally wanted to. She's like go of that belief of a traditional marriage so that she can still have a beautiful life that involves having her kids with her every day and not having to split up the family. So there's different ways to do things. And I think we need to give ourselves permission to be creative um, and figure out 
what is it that I really want? And it doesn't have to look like the traditional way. So whether you're letting go of the belief that this is the marriage I want, I still really want it, but it's just not there. Giving yourself permission that it's okay to let that go. That's a really good point. Thank you, Beth. This has been a great conversation. And um, I think that the, the viewers, the listeners, everyone will will really appreciate these gems and this insight and guidance from you. So with that being said, where can we find you? It's on Instagram, right? And, and you've got a website. Yeah, Instagram and Facebook are great spots to find me. So my my handle is at Solify Wellness. And I have a free guide for anyone that's in a relationship that may be struggling a little bit. It's, uh, you can find it at www.freemarriageguide.com or you can visit my website, which is solifywellness.com. And I have a free hypno journey. So that's that deep meditation that I use. So if you want to really connect with that authentic you, you can check that out on my website. Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, so I'm going to add all of that information to the episode description. And I'll also post it on the page when we launch the episode. But the, the, the guide and the hypno therapy piece I think would be great for those that want to explore more and then if you're interested it doesn't matter where they are in the world right they can still connect with you right Beth absolutely yes send me a dm I'd love to chat or if you want some tips on how to navigate what you're going through I'm happy to send some your way and also Beth does lots of great lives and videos on her page so I think check out her page when you can see the content and if you're a bit scared to tell friends or family that you're concerned about your marriage or your relationship, that's okay. You don't have to tell them, you know, maybe it's uh, the first point is to maybe read up, read up or check out some, some videos. Maybe this podcast has helped you come up with a few points and maybe just, you know, reach out to Beth, or you can also reach out to us and just, you know, get, get some guidance. Um, That's what we're here for. And, you know, you don't have to be alone. This is why this podcast is here. There's, it's about, how you transform in your journey and not feel like you're alone because many of us have experienced a lot of what a lot of you guys may be going through or are going through. I couldn't agree more. I think it's really important to be careful who you disclose your marriage problems to and the reasons why you're disclosing those. Cause sometimes we do it to vent and to get external validation, someone to say, you know what, you're right. Your husband is a horrible person or he should be cleaning more. <laughs> and all it is is for someone to validate your feelings, but really that could be causing some toxic links between the person you just divulged that to and your husband. Cause you can't undo that stuff. So yeah. it is really great. I think to speak with you or myself or a therapist as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Beth. This has been brilliant. Yes, I agree. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye. Yep, bye.